0: You're listening to Balancing Skincare and Samosas. I'm your host, Supreet Sohi, master esthetician and skincare consultant. I help women of color break through beauty standards to find their individual skincare and wellness journey. Join me every week as we touch on a topic that will help you with your journey.
1: Kids that are 8 and 12. Um, And uh, I had my daughter during my fellowship, so brought her back to Kentucky with me. And then my son I had when I was here. And, um, you know, being a good Desi girl, as I was telling you, I basically uh, came back home to where I was raised and came back home to be near my family. So it's just been really great, especially in the time of COVID and this pandemic and needing to be socially isolated to be so close to my family um, and my Mm -hmm. parents and my brother and his kids. Um, So it's just been it's been really great. And I am also a gastroenterologist or a stomach doctor. Um, I did my training up in Boston at Harvard and Tufts and then at University of Chicago and Rush University in Chicago before coming home. So I practice um, gastroenterology. I'm a plant-based doctor, so I really do try to incorporate that into my practice and with my patients as much as they are willing to hear. But I just cover general GI. So anything basically from heartburn to irritable bowel to celiac disease to inflammatory bowel disease, screening for colon cancer, screening for colon polyps, I kind of do it all. Um, So it's been really great. Um, I've loved coming back home and being here and practicing in Kentucky. Ah,
0: and now is there a large Indian or Desi population that, population yeah, there?
1: There is. It's exploded. So when my parents first moved here in the 70s, my dad was a cardiologist and he was at University of Michigan. And one of his friends who's a cardiologist said, you know, there's a spot at the university here. Why don't you come on down? So he's like, okay. So he and my mom moved here in the 70s and they were really sort of the, the pioneers them them, and then a handful of their friends were pioneers for the Indian community here in Louisville. And I, you know, so I've kind of grown up in that Indian community. Then I went away for like you know, 15 years, right? I went away for college, med school, residency, fellowship. And when I moved back, the Indian population and the Indian community here, the Desi community is huge. And where, whereas before I left, I knew everybody, now I feel like I knew no one because it just really exploded. So um, it's been really great though. It's been really great to see. It's really important, you know, for a place like Kentucky and Virginia, as you know, to have some diversity and cultural diversity. So yeah. it's been really wonderful. Definitely. And so what kind of clientele do you see? I see all kinds of patients. So really, I mean, my patients are coming to me either because they just need a colonoscopy for screening purposes for colon cancer. um, And the age for um, screening for colon cancer has now dropped from 50 to 45. So a lot more people are needing to be screened. But then I see people with a variety of GI illnesses. And um, because I'm a woman, I do see a lot of women I think mm. because I'm Indian, uh, people in the Indian community maybe feel a little bit more comfortable seeing me. So I do see that too. But I see everybody, all comers. Mm. Yeah. And I mean,
0: it's definitely being, in, uh, you know, a woman of color, you know, and talking about the sensitive topics is very hard. Absolutely. And oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I feel I'm, I'm, they probably tell you everything, right? <laughs> I do think that there is something to be said for being, you know, relatable to people, um, either because you have a same, the same cultural background or same similar life experiences that people feel a little bit more comfortable telling me things. And I mean, I have had people come and talk to me and they say, so I'm having incontinence or I'm having bowel accidents. And they're like, so embarrassed. And they say, I've had this for years. I've never felt comfortable telling my primary care doctor this, but you know, I feel comfortable telling you. And I think that's so important because there are things that people are experiencing that they can't necessarily share and therefore get help for. So I really, I feel really glad that I'm able to be that for people.
0: That's yeah. I love hearing that. Now during COVID, were you able to still do like virtual consultations or? Yes.
1: No, I definitely was. So there was a time at the beginning last March where pretty much all of society completely shut down, right? So there were Mm -hmm. a few weeks where we completely shut down and weren't doing anything as we were trying to figure things out. And all of medicine was just turned upside down because these, you know, telehealth and teleconsults really were not something that we did regularly, Mm -hmm. didn't know how to do them, didn't have the computer set up to do them um, in terms of keeping it, you know, Private com- in terms of yeah. people compliance and making sure that the insurances accepted it. And so, but it's amazing to me how quickly medicine adapted, um, even for, in so many ways, actually, during COVID, but especially with regards to this. Um, so, pretty quickly after um, everything shut down, I was able to start doing telehealth. And then we kind of had to get back to doing endoscopic procedures, colonoscopies, and EGDs, because unfortunately, people's healthcare really doesn't wait for yeah. a to end, you know, and people did hold off quite a bit because they were nervous. Mm-hmm. And we were too, you know, because what I do as a colonoscopist and an endoscopist, I mean, I, you know, when an upper endoscopy, I literally stick a scope down someone's throat and they're yeah. asleep. So they don't feel it or remember it. But oftentimes you induce someone to cough. Mm. And we all know how bad coughing is right now, right? Yeah. So we had to really make sure that we had everything in place in order to screen people and test them for COVID first, make sure they were negative before they came in so that we didn't contribute to the spread of this virus. So, but we, we and the GI societies and people have adapted so quickly um, and that I think is really a testament to the resilience of people that we're able to just power through and change in order to just adapt to what we have to in order to continue.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like that change was immediate. Like I know working in the medical field a little bit, like, uh, you know, having um, electronic system, you know, it was such a process, but now everybody had like sped through that process and was like, let's do this. It's like, there's no time now. We got to do this now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Now it's the norm, right? Yeah. So how did, well, I'm, What interests
0: me about you is also is the veganism, so your lifestyle with vegan. How did that play um, with medicine and work and career and all that?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been vegetarian for about 20 years, and that really came about due to my own ethics and the environment, Mm -hmm. and I more recently transitioned to, and actually, so, you know, being Daisy, you would think that I grew up being vegetarian, but not so. I grew up eating Mm -hmm. meat. In this country. And so I really came to vegetarianism of my own accord. And I more recently transitioned to fully to a vegan diet for those same ethical considerations. And it's funny because it really was only after I became fully vegan that I became more and more aware of the health benefits of having a 100% plant-based diet. I mean, I had always understood red meat to be bad for you from a ca- cardiovascular standpoint. I think most people know that. So I had some idea that vegetarianism was healthier than an omnivore diet, but I didn't really realize how dairy products and eggs also have their own issues. And, you know, in medicine, we get actually very little instruction in the way of nutrition for healthful living, even Mm. in my specialty, which you would think would be, I mean, gastroenterology, it should be loaded with nutrition information, but there's really minimal training in nutrition and that nutrition training is really quite limited to, looking at nutritional needs for people who need tube feeds or IV nutrition rather than general nutrition for health. So as I became a plant-based physician, I really just started relearning this and learning it in a new way for myself um, over time. And have you incorporated that with your kids at all? I have. So my kids are, um, my kids are vegan. Um, They're eight and 12 right now. And they embrace the vegan lifestyle from a very young age. I mean, I never fed them meat because I didn't cook it in the home. And Mm -hmm. at this point, they fully 100% understand the ethics of being vegan. And if you think about it, most kids from a young age have a lot of compassion towards animals. And I really believe that we train them out of that societally. It's normalized to eat these other sentient beings. And so kids just kind of grow up imitating us and doing what we do. But I think if you look at young kids and how they react to animals that they see in nature or farm animals, they really have a lot of compassion towards animals. So our kids really 100% feel that being vegan is right for them. And I mean, obviously, that may change as they get older, because they're going to walk their own paths just as I've walked mine.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love that you mentioned that because, I mean, I, same thing, I didn't grow up, um, I grew up eating meat and then became vegetarian on my own and same thing with vegan. And so when the question came to raising my kids vegan, um, you know, I was questioned, oh, where are they going to get their protein? You know, they're not (laughs) going to be healthy. They're malnourished. And I'm like, really? So you want me to feed them dead animals for their protein?
1: And like explain that to a
0: child, it doesn't make sense.
1: No, exactly. It totally what you doesn't. Said. And it doesn't even make sense for adults, to be quite honest. I mean, the a lot of this I hate to say is is propaganda, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's a big push and lobby from you know the meat and dairy industry. I consider myself a vegan athlete. I do a lot of physical activities, and the activities that I do require endurance and a lot of muscular strength, and that requires protein. And it's actually so easy to get all the protein we need in a vegan diet. It really is a myth that we can't get protein without animal products. And, you know, I I do think there's an obsession with protein in our current culture, and our protein needs are far less than we actually think. So really, we only need about 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight and so for a 140 pound person that's 50 grams of protein and if you think about a serving of chicken like a serving of a a handful of chicken which would be kind of your palm is the serving size right that probably has 30 grams of protein in it or 40 already so that tells you that people who eat a predominantly meat-based diet are getting way way more protein than they need um and You know, it's also just not true that we can't get all the protein we need from plants. I mean, proteins are made of amino acids, and there are about 20 of them total. Nine of them are considered essential amino acids or ones that we can't make ourselves. um, And so we need to get those through our diet. And it was thought for a while that plant-based protein was not complete or didn't have all the essential amino acids in it, um, meaning they have some amino acids but not others but there is then a concern that oh if you're eating plants that you might be deficient in some amino acids but really we found that that's just not true all plant foods do have all the amino acids we need just in varying amounts so really the diet that's most helpful for us which is a diet you know helpful for us in general which is a diet that's rich in plant variety it would get us the appropriate amino acids we need to have a complete protein intake anyway Um, So really, I don't, you know, and this even comes up in physicians, a lot of physicians will say, well, and the American Academy of Pediatrics will suggest people, children need milk. But honestly, I think that we're going to end up as medicine evolves, it's always evolving as we learn new things. I have a feeling that that's going to evolve over time as well
0: yeah, that I love that you mentioned milk specifically. Now, how does that affect the G i? You know, I won't, can we talk about that a little bit? because <laughs> oh. the, the hormones are definitely obviously that yes. you know people recognize, you know, but the actual effect of it,
1: yeah. no. Well, so I think the thing that most people think about when they think about milk in the G i tract is lactose intolerance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, Milk has a carbohydrate in it called lactose, and we have to break that out into smaller um, carbohydrates in order to absorb them. And that requires an enzyme in our digestive tract, in our small intestine called lactase. And a lot of people will lose that lactase over time, or they'll have reduced amounts of it. And so they'll end up when they drink milk or eat ice cream or have cheese on pizza, they'll end up having, you know, symptoms of bloating, um, upset stomach, diarrhea, Um, just kind of not feeling well. And that's because you get that carbohydrate, lactose, which is not absorbed. It travels through and it gets, it's food for your gut bacteria. And then basically they break it down and it causes a lot of byproducts, including gas. And, And so it causes these symptoms of discomfort. And when I tell my patients about lactose intolerance, one of the things I tell them is really, if you think about it, we are the only species that drinks milk beyond the age of infancy. I mean, milk is not, designed for us to continue to drink into mm. adulthood and beyond right i mean and the milk coming from a cow is really designed to grow up a baby cow into like an 800 pound cow right wow, it's not really yeah. it's not really designed for our children um so i think that's important to think about also But, you know, that's just lactose intolerance. So when we think about milk, there have been some really interesting studies that have come out. Um, There was a Swedish population study that looked at um, milk consumption and and women who consume more milk actually had higher rates of hip fractures,
0: Mm. heart disease,
1: cancer, like all the things that you would think like, wait a second, milk is touted as having a lot of calcium. It's supposed to be good for your bones, but actually women who were consuming more milk ended up having more fractures. Um, you know, milk use is associated with acne and premature puberty because of all the hormones in it. Even even not, you know, even organic milk still does have some hormones in it. So it's it's really not that great for you, right? I mean, it's been thank pushed you. as being good for you, but it's really just not, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, thank you for saying that because I tell...
0: Tell people all the time and it was so hard to even convince my mom. Um, but I got her to do oat milk with her chai in the mornings. Oh, me but-
1: too. I love it. It's right. Oat milk has been a I'm like, where was oat milk all my life? Because it has just come out in this past year and it's been a game changer same like honestly like
0: uh, I cow milk is one thing I think I did drink a lot of it when I was young but now becoming a vegan and playing around with these different milks like almond milk for baking you know oat milk for my coffee is and the texture is so different I think people think like oh you're going to be restricted with what you're eating you're eating plants you know and veggies all day yeah you
1: are but you can get creative You totally can. And it's really actually quite telling. Like I saw somewhere that Starbucks has like run out of oat milk because the demand for it is so high. Like a lot of times their stores will run out. So that tells you something about how good of a substitute it is, because, you know, we go to we go to these coffee shops for our treats. Right. Like for mm -hmm. our delicious, creamy treats. And if it weren't a good enough substitute, it it wouldn't be like they wouldn't be running through it the way they are.
0: Yeah. And so what kind of diet is, what kind of food do you eat? Is it more Indian style or is it
1: fusion? Everything and anything. So I actually plan out because of COVID and, you know, I really appreciate the ability to slow down because of COVID because you got to start looking at the silver lining, right? Mm -hmm. So prior to us having to slow down, we were always on the go because we had all these activities that we would do in the evenings. And so I would, Um, be throwing things together sort of last minute every night and they'd be tasty and nutritious, but they wouldn't necessarily require a lot of thought and planning. And now because of this, I'm able to take some time. And on the weekends, I'll usually plan out what I'm going to serve the family throughout the week. And I say serve, but we're going to get to that in a second, because now that my kids are older, my, we cook, we all work together to make dinner. Um, Oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, But So I'll plan out and we'll all, you know, and Sunday we'll be having breakfast or brunch together and I'll be sitting with them and I'll be like, so let's try. What about this? And what about that? And we'll all kind of come up with a plan together and then we'll shop for what we're going to have. But I definitely like my family likes a variety of flavors. So we'll have something Indian every week, but then we'll also have something maybe more East Asian. We'll have something maybe more Tex-Mex. We'll have some sort of vegan comfort food. Um, so I do a variety of stuff every week because I like a variety of flavors and I like a variety of plants and a variety of plants is really, really important in terms of treating your gut microbiome really well. So I look at making sure that we get a variety of flavors because that makes eating enjoyable and fun, but also a variety of plant fibers in our diet throughout the week.
0: I love hearing that. That is so beautiful. I do that a little bit with my kids, but obviously they yes. always want to put the snacks on there, but <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's okay we'll too. Them.
1: How old are your kids?
0: <laughs> my kids are my daughter's 4 and then my son's 5.
1: Oh, so sweet. They're at such fun ages. And yeah. that, I mean, that's that's a great age. Obviously, my kids love snacks too. And if you think about how they just go 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 all the time, they really do need snacks and they as much as i'm like why don't you grab this apple and peanut butter they're also diving into the carbs because they need that quick energy because their bodies just burn through it so fast so i feel you i feel you they love yeah. the snacks it's good well i i well you know on based on carbs like how do you balance carbs and veggies then Okay, so carbs have, just like I was saying earlier that I feel that protein has been overhyped, carbs have been over vilified. Mm-hmm. Carbs are not a horrible thing. What When people talk about carbs, really I think what they're getting at is the very simple carbs with a, a bad glycemic index that basically if you're going to have white bread and white pasta, that essentially very quickly turns to sugar in your body and stimulates your pancreas. That's not what we want. But the carbs coming from plants are excellent and good for you. And then there's a huge mix of fiber in there as well. So I do not worry about plant-based carbs one bit. And we actually do quite a bit of carbs because we do a lot of grains. But we typically don't use white rice. We do brown rice. We do quinoa. We do barley. We do farro. We do um, you know, whole wheat pasta. Sometimes we do chickpea pasta or lentil pasta. So we do like our carbs. It's just that our carbs are a healthier type of carb that really doesn't immediately produce an insulin spike in your body.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Because that's exactly what I do. I I play around with my foods. And, you know, but yeah, different trying the different pastas out, because I didn't like a certain type, but you have to play around with it.
1: That's all you got to do. Yes, I think that's so true. I totally agree. And I, I feel like, you know, we, we've, thought a lot of times, well, how, how do people transition into this type of diet and how it can be, it can be hard. But part of it, I think is that the transition can be fun. And I think people sometimes have difficulty transitioning because they, they are so focused on that end goal of having to be vegan, you know, or Mm hundred percent plant-based and they miss the whole fun of the journey. I mean, life is always about growing and changing, and we're always transitioning. And this is no more of a step than anything else. It's just a more mindful and chosen step. And the journey itself in exploring new ways of eating, new foods to try, new ways of thinking about food, where your food comes from, what new things you can try, how you can prepare them differently, can be super fun and enriching. And especially as your kids get older, if you involve them in it. So my kids are always involved in the planning. And then as they're getting older, they're involved in the food prep too. And you know, in terms of living a vegan lifestyle, that's so important to us. Just because we want the kids to be involved in what they're eating, know where it's coming from, know why it's valuable, participate in making it, and then they're much, much more likely to enjoy it if they've had a hand in cooking it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. My kids—they eat their veggies, and I know some of some of my, the mommies I know they—they're so surprised, and I'm like, it's just you know, our routine, our lifestyle, if you know, the kid is going to mimic actually what you do. And if you're not going to eat it, why would the kid do it? So um, being healthy is going to benefit everybody. So
1: I yeah, love that. I 100% agree. I love that you do that with them. And I think I read a study somewhere when my kids were younger that really you have to taste something about five or six times before you decide whether you're really going to like it or not. And I remember my son hated red peppers. That was, he He's eight now. But when he was about your son's age, around five or so, um, I, I told him, you, know, you just have to try it. I said, I will put my hand under your mouth. You can spit it into my hand if you want to, but you need to chew it and taste it. And mm-hmm. now he loves red peppers. Right. So it's just you just have to keep trying these new foods. And that, you know, works for adults, too, for people that are transitioning to a plant based diet. If what you're used to eating is meat and breads and starchy things, it is you can't jump into having like a massaged kale salad. Right. It's just yeah. not going to work. It could for some people. But you the, the transition means that you've got to introduce this slowly over time keep trying it trying it in different ways seeing what helps you enjoy it and then you find yourself craving it actually
0: yeah I I totally agree like I know with the transition like I used to do like a lot of burgers or you know fake me out chicken or whatever chicken nuggets and those were like transition foods now I find myself buying less of that and more real food um whole foods and just cooking them and less frozen, less can. I mean, I definitely have them on hand, but definitely my fridge is more
1: full. I would say that Yes, yeah, mine too. And the fridge, you open it up, it's like a rainbow in there. It's so colorful and fun. I will will make a plug for frozen. Um, Sometimes frozen vegetables can be really helpful in a pinch. And many Mm -hmm. times they're nutritionally still quite sound because they freeze them in their peak. And so they don't necessarily lose a lot. I I prefer fresh as well. But if you do want something and it's not in season, um, frozen may be okay in a pinch. But I'm a big fan of eating seasonally. So what is available around you at that time, again, this is so great for your gut microbiome to have that variety. So in the winters, you're going to eat more squashes and things like that. And in the summers, there's all these vegetables that you can eat. And um, eating by the seasons can be very adventurous as well. Yeah, definitely. Is there any certain ones that are beneficial specifically for GI? Oh my gosh. Honestly, eating a variety... So there's a study that came out relatively recently looking at people who ate... They compared people who ate 10 or less different types of plant fiber a week versus people who had 30 or more different types of plant fiber a week. And they found that people who had more variety in their plant fiber had a more diverse gut microbiome and the gut microbiome is basically all the bacteria that are living in our digestive tract. And so what we found is that when people eat more diverse plants, your gut microbiome is happier. And the gut microbiome is associated with a lot of different health components, not just in your GI tract, but it's associated with things like uh, mental health, cardiovascular health, your immune system so the gut microbiome is is really important but the things that we eat that feed it properly are things that we would automatically think would be healthful anyway so it's basically a variety of plant fibers is what you want you know because if you tell someone this is a superfood right you know there's always these superstar foods that come out every year kale almonds quinoa whatever and if all you do is eat that superfood you're not necessarily doing yourself a great service but eating a variety of plant fibers is what's important. So a variety of fruits, vegetables, grains, beans. Um, and that's what makes eating exciting anyway. Mm, I love that you
0: said a variety. Because I know we get stuck on it because of our location sometimes. But just venturing out just a little bit, even with your grains or trying different breads and stuff like that, can just definitely bring a variety of you know vegetables as well, whatever is common in the area. And what about like... Um, um, yogurts and, um,
1: yeah, yeah. so f- fermented foods, so plant yogurts and, and kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi, like all the f- uh, tempeh to some extent, a lot of these fermented foods provide good prebiotics and good nutrition for your gut bacteria. So fermented foods are excellent as well.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. Cause I st- just started doing kombucha and I, nice. I have this big gallon of thing that I take like a little shot every day. And that really helps my system. like I think um I really noticed my change. Uh, like I had a glow to my face. Um, just, yeah, felt lighter too. That's
1: awesome. That's so wonderful. I personally actually hate kombucha. My Do you? husband loves yes, I don't know. it's just I'm not I was never a beer drinker. I just don't like that flavor, but my husband loves it. So I you know, I love that you do. And I think it's so good for you. I really do. But just (laughs) like, you know, we're talking about being healthful and plant-based, but we're also talking about working with your own tastes. So, you know, I just don't don't particularly care for it. So that's okay. Right. Because there are other things that I can do to take care of my body differently. And I think that that's important too, that people don't get stuck in, well, I guess I have to have this, even though I hate it. You know, eating can still be joyful still be pleasurable, and still give you what you need. Um, You just got to kind of figure out what works for you.
0: Yeah, and what about, like, do you make your yogurts at home, or do you still buy them from um, the store? I haven't gotten there yet.
1: Yeah, so I I have this Instant Pot, and I know that there are all these recipes in there for how to make yogurt in the Instant Pot, and I just have not started yet. No, so I do buy my yogurts from the store. I like the cashew milk yogurts best of all. But are you making your own yogurt?
0: No, I haven't dabbled in that yet. And I'm like, want to, and my mom and I like want to, but
1: yeah, I don't think we have the right uh, tools yet. Oh my gosh. Well, I will help you figure that out. And then you can try it and let me know. (laughs) And then maybe I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like
0: she's, my mom's definitely been trying and like I experiment in her kitchen. So yeah, Yeah. I definitely am trying with that. Other than that, I've been doing oat milk yogurts um, with my kids. And um, yeah, it suits
1: much better with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that's great.
0: And then what was it? Do you incorporate veganism with your um, patients in the office as well? Or do you not talk about nutrition
1: as much? Oh, you know, that's a great question. You know, there is a famous quote from Hippocrates that says, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And so mm. I think it is really important to realize that, we actually affect our health outcomes with diet. Um, so, you know, I, I'm in Kentucky, so I practice in an area of the country where a meat predominant diet is the norm. So it can, it can sometimes feel hard to bring up the importance of a plant-based diet with my patients, but every time I do, I've found that once we start the discussion, most people are really open to it. They're quite receptive. Um, and I think the key thing is making it clear that it's not all or none. Not everybody has to become fully plant-based or vegan in order to reap the benefits of having more plants in their diet. I mean, that is the right lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. But a new term has come out called recently and they call it being plant forward. And I love that. And I feel like that's a good start for many people. Um, and, you know, filling your plate predominantly with vegetables and grains, with the dairy and meat being a smaller serving, I think is a really good way to start for many people. Mm. Um, so I do try to talk about it because, you know, we talked about the gut microbiome and that is the emerging star in the GI world and in medicine in general. And we talk so much about gut health and really we're talking about the health of our gut microbiome, the little bacteria that live inside of us. And because they're so important for our gut, but also systems outside of our gut, it's really important to feed them properly. And you know, as we said earlier, it's about, you know, a variety of plant fibers. Um, So I do try to work with people understanding that You know, we also have to keep in mind that there are limitations in accessibility, in a desire to actually make a lifestyle change, even, you know, socioeconomic factors. Um, Those do play a role in how people are able to embrace a plant forward diet. So I think it's important that we we think about that. And you can't be so dogmatic and tell people, well, you have to do this because it may it may not be something that's accessible for everybody fully. Um, But I usually tell people that treatment of GI conditions is multifactorial. So it's medication, but also lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. I do my best to see where I can find that balance for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think exactly what you said. You have to give them space to learn on their own and, you know, uh, give them the uh, right tools and educate them, educate your clients on the lifestyle. And you know, it could be just be a mindset change with um, plant lifestyle, like you said, you know, taking it step by step, opening up the idea to this lifestyle, because that's another thing, terms um, scare people, what is vegan, Mm -hmm. what is plant-based and even looking in the refrigerator and like, what is like, okay, this is vegan, but it's not, it has GMO, like, so it's not healthy, like, what do I get now? Um, but like, and what you keep rephasing, you know, just stick with the plant diet, keep a, you know, a rainbow color palette, you know, that's really going to help it.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree.
0: I love this. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And you know what I wanted to ask is what is your self-care routine? What do you do to take care of yourself?
1: Oh, I am a firm believer in filling your own cup so that you can give your best self to everybody else, your family, for me, my patients, too, anybody in your life. And so that definitely looks different for different people. I mean, different people have different needs in order to feel like they are taken care of. So for me, it involves good and beautiful food. um, And that does include sweet treats, okay? Mm -hmm. Because food is a pleasure and it should be a pleasure. So, but for me, those sweet treats are vegan. Um, It's, you know, I make sure to take time to meditate, um, to do yoga, to connect with nature, because I feel like that's really important for my sense of well-being and um, feeling spiritual and feeling connected to the earth. And then I also take time to move my body in a way that brings me joy. So for me, that involves things like running, playing around outside with my kids, doing yoga, um, or I do a lot of aerial arts, like circus stuff. And that really um, brings me joy. So I think when I am able to feel my best self, it's when I've taken care of myself properly. And that's when I'm able to give my best self to the people in my life.
0: Oh, my God. That sounds like a dream. I would love to do aerial. Um- I saw saw it on your Instagram, uh, Instagram, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So that's – how do you do that? Or how did you get into that?
1: that. Oh, my gosh. That's like we could do an entire other talk on this (laughs) one. It's super fun, and it brings me so much joy. So I started Ariel's probably about four years ago. And the way it happened was my daughter was invited to take a class or do a kid's trapeze class Um, in a local circus gym that I did not even know existed, right? I mean, Mm because how do we know that this stuff is around us? It's around us everywhere. It's just not commonly done. So this kid's trapeze class was literally climbing up on a bar, and it's not like the flying trapeze that you think of. They kind of sit and do – it's called static trapeze. So they do little poses on the trapeze and come down. And my daughter's always been very active, Um, and it it was like a – she was doing gymnastics first, and so it was like a really nice transition. And so she started doing this class, and in the gym – There were these kids classes and then there was an adult intro class happening at the same time. And I thought, well, I could sit on my phone and scroll and just sit there and watch her and just kind of waste time. Or I could go do this myself because it looks so fun. So I started doing it about four years ago. And what I found about the aerial and circus community that I love is that, um, especially with the women, there are people of all different shapes, all different sizes. And it's just an incredibly supportive community. And it's all about personal growth. Um, And, you know, the milestones are so small, like climbing up this much or doing this one move and, you know, nailing it for yourself, whereas someone else might be working on something else. So it's just a beautiful kind of individualized journey in a very supportive community that I just absolutely love. And I also believe that play is a really, really important part of living a joyful life. And so for me, I've gotten so strong, just like goofing off and playing like lifting myself up and down this like piece of fabric, I have gotten very fit, but it doesn't feel like exercise. It really doesn't because it's just joyful and fun. I feel like a kid. And I think so many adults sort of lose that playfulness in our, in our lives because we've got so much going on. And even our fitness becomes a thing we have to check off, right? And so I've really loved aerials because it allows me to be fit while just having so much fun. And it's something I, I can do that. with my family too, which yes. I also love because my daughter continued it. Then my son has gotten into doing stuff. My husband started juggling, you know, so like we're so like cute. A, a little circus freak family, but we love it. So we're all active and doing like fun stuff together.
0: That is so beautiful. I love hearing that. And you're absolutely right. You know, when we don't have play in our life, that's when you're going in a downward spiral. <laughs> you got to have agree. the play you've got to have the play.
1: joy. Yeah. Joy is so,
0: so important in life. That's so right. I love that. I love that. And then with that being said, I'm going to let you go. And
1: how can our listeners follow you? Um, well, I have just recently started on social media, so I am growing and figuring things out, but right now I have an Instagram page. Um, And it is sunanasohi, one word, .md. And that's where I post. I post some circusy stuff, but I post vegan meal planning. I post um, information about plant-based diet and health and information about the GI tract and just try to be accessible through that. I've also recently started doing talks on Clubhouse. So you can follow me on Clubhouse at the same thing, sunanasohi.md. And there I do a lot of plant-based wellness things, as well as some fitness stuff and even some covid things. So I I'm, I'm happy to connect with anybody for anything that they need. Yeah, and
0: I love the conversations you have in Clubhouse. Like that's how it got we connected. I'm like, "Oh my god,
1: yes. another so he and vegan." I was like, "Oh my oh, god." It that's incredible. I was so happy to meet you through that. It's amazing. I mean, covid's been really difficult, but it's forced a lot of people to go online and make these connections in ways that We never would have otherwise, and so yeah, it's been really, really fantastic. I just loved connecting with you.
0: Oh, thank you you for joining me on Balancing Skincare and Samosas. Join me every week as we touch on a topic that will help you get closer to your skincare and wellness journey. Add me on Instagram at Skinsutra underscore. Supreet. And you can find me at www.skinsutra skincare. See you next week.